0: Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Jared, uh, much appreciated. Wasn't that a good video? The kind of sister act dancing. I love that movie as well. It's been a while since I've seen that. Just wanted to say, um, you know, thank you so much for all of you who came out um, to the Civic Center today. Um, we just had a wonderful day out in the sun and, 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 and just getting a chance to be amongst the people in our community. People that we don't always connect with, but we had an opportunity to connect with them. And thank you for coming out on a lovely sunny evening uh, like tonight as well. Um, How many of you guys love sunny evenings? Long sunny summer evenings. I love it. Uh, In fact, I love nothing better than doing a barbecue um, on a lovely sunny summer evening. However, well, there is actually one thing that's better than that, and that's to be in church. I don't know about you guys, but there's something about being in church that is so much better than a good steak and a barbecue because it it fills us with something far better than just food, doesn't it? It's the peace of God is in this place, as we've heard. The presence of God is in this place. Uh, In fact, I believe, you know, the Spirit of God is here and there's freedom in this place tonight. Yeah, Yeah? can I hear an amen amen to that? Great. So listen, we are, as Jared mentioned, we're into, uh, I believe, week four now um, of a series called Do the Hard Things. And it's really been a, a, a very challenging series. I know for myself and I'm sure for all of you, um, just challenging us as, as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, um, to, to do the hard things. Because uh, as I said last week to the guys when I was in Ilkeston, you know, nothing uh, that's worthwhile in life uh, is easy. Um, there's so many things that you know. Ha- having a good marriage is, is is hard work sometimes, doesn't it? You need to do the hard things. Sometimes you need to forgive when you don't feel like forgiving. Um, you know, having a career, having a job, sometimes it's a hard thing. You know, to get out of bed in the morning and go, even when you don't feel like going. Uh, and and so you know, most things in life that are worthwhile um, involve doing hard things sometimes. And 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 this. This week, I want to just entitle my sermon, uh, Out to Impress. Out to Impress. And I suppose we've all probably seen people um, in in life, maybe even today out at the Civic Center. uh, I don't know. Anybody saw people that are really just out to impress? Um, Looking sharp. Uh, ready to impress out in the sunshine. We've probably seen those people, in fact, that um, have been working out all winter, um, you know, in the gym, and they've had to cover up all winter, and then the first sun comes out, and they're like, I'm getting the, the guns out. You know, I'm wearing the tank tops. I'm getting the tight shirts out, or whatever. Let me tell you, I'm married to obviously a Brazilian, and, and we lived in Brazil for uh, a year and a half, and, and there is no place like Brazil for people being out to impress. In fact, I, if you go to a Brazilian beach, let me tell you, I have never felt so inadequate in my life. Because it seems like all of the Brazilian guys work out. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's 60, 70-year-old guys that are like totally you know, ripped and worked out. And, and not only that, but they're all bronze as well. So you know, there's me here, pasty white, and, and you're on this Brazilian beach, and you just feel so inadequate. And you know, there's one thing, it's even worse than that, in fact. They don't just, like, lie down on the beach and just kind of, you know, you just want to lie and relax. A beach is for relaxing, that's what I think. But they've got these places where they work out on the beach. So they've got these like, little places where they do exercise, pull-ups, and, and they're doing all these exercises, and they're out there working out, and I'm just thinking, man, guys, calm it down. You don't have to impress anyone. I mean, these guys are really out to impress you know, we could probably tell uh, many other stories. I'm sure you can think of examples of just people that are out to impress. It doesn't even necessarily need to be a bad thing because we've probably all um, you know, been in situations, maybe a new job. I know I've been in that situation where you're starting a new job and you just want to impress. Uh, it's probably a good thing, isn't it? You want to just make sure that people know. They don't know you. They don't know your reputation. They don't know you're a hard worker. So you're out there. You're there early. You're working through your lunch hour. You maybe stay late. You're, you're working extra hard. You're just out to impress. And it's, it's probably something that really does transfer across into church as well. And, and so often we can, we can come to church and, and, and we're also we're out to impress. Um, probably historically, um, we would have been all you know if we were to rewind the clock fifty years, we probably would have been all out in our, our Sunday best you know suits and ties, maybe some ladies with hats on uh, and all sorts so dressed in your Sunday best out to impress and obviously we 're a little bit more casual now, and, and you know that 's a good thing um, but but in other aspects of church as well, you know maybe even you know, good things like raising our hands in worship. We can not be in our heart, but we're like, well, you know, I, I want to impress. I'm in the front row. I'm, I'm, I'm raising my hands, but my heart's not in it. I want to impress people or, or serving even. You know, we can often uh, be in a place, and I used this example last week in Ilkeston, but, you know, we want to impress Christine. She's our leader. We want to go over and beyond because we want to impress her, do a good job because she's back here and she was gone last week in Ilkeston. She's back today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impress even more than ever. And, and, you know, we've probably, there's so many examples. I'm running out of time here. I need to get onto the Word of God. But, you know, we, we come to church even and we're impressed with our language, don't we? We're, we're saying the praise gods and we're calling it Brother Paul or, or you know, um, who, whatever it may be. Sister Joanna, how you doing? Um, you know, th- we've got this church lingo um, which we don't really use throughout the week. And, and you know, it's easy even for for me as a, as a preacher today, can I be honest with you? It's easy for me as a preacher to stand up here and think, what am I going to say? Because I want to impress the people. I want the people to think uh, I'm a good speaker or I'm eloquent or whatever it may be. It, it, it's on both sides. It's on both sides. For so often we can come in and we're just all, always looking to, to impress. We're out to impress. But what does the Bible say about this? Because we're not here just to hear stories, are we? Uh, we're here to, to hear what the Bible says, and, and so we've been focusing through this series on Matthew five uh, to seven, um, which really is is talking through the Sermon on the Mount, and, and there's just so much depth and so much teaching in that. and And today we want to look at Matthew chapter six, which is a, a part of the Sermon of the Mount, Sermon on the Mount, as I said, Jesus teaching, and uh, it's a fantastic section and. And we're really going to look at and dig into that a little bit today. Matthew 6, verse 1, I want to read first of all. In the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. In fact, the message uh, says it, the same verse, in a slightly different way. Uh, It says this, be especially careful when you're trying to be good. So that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theatre, but the God who made you won't be applauding. So, an interesting and a challenging uh, verses that just really speak into you know us being out to impress other people. What does Jesus mean when he's talking about good deeds? And we're going to read a little further, but he's really talking of. Acts of devotion to God. And and these devotional things which um, were done in this time, he was speaking to the Jewish people um, at a time where uh, they would do three things, really, um, as kind of public acts of devotion to God. Firstly, giving to the poor. Uh, Secondly, they would pray. And, And thirdly, they would uh, they would fast. And, and these are areas that continue all the way into the, the Jewish, Jewish culture and Jewish religion at the moment. And, and to be honest with you, um, when, when Jesus addresses them, um, he, he makes it relevant to us as well. And he doesn't say that these are things that are only going to apply to the Jewish uh, religion. He actually says it applies to us too. He implies that we will do it. In fact, he says when you do these things. In other words, he's saying, not an if you do them. No, it's a when you do it. And so there are really things that, that we as, as, as Jesus followers uh, should also uh, be doing. And he places such an importance on them. But how many of you know they can be hard things, can't they? Yeah. They can be hard things to do. And so I really, you know, they fit so perfectly into the, the series and the reason they so hard is because they go against the grain of our human nature, don't they? You see, giving, and, and in, in particular in this section, it's talking about giving not to the church, it's giving really to the poor, um, you know, giving to charity or people that are needy. Um, and, and, you know, what giving does is it goes against the grain of our selfishness, doesn't it? Because we want to, to gather and gather money and work hard and, and enjoy the pleasures of money. But giving goes against the grain of the selfishness. Praying goes against the grain of, of pride because we're all given to pride. We're all given to, to thinking, you know what? I don't have to be thankful to God. I worked hard for this and I deserve it. But when we go in thankfulness in our prayer to God, we're acknowledging that He is the one that gives so many good things to us. And when we go with our requests before God, we're also acknowledging, God, I can't do it on my own. I need you, God. So prayer goes against pride. And then fasting really goes against the grain of our own kind of desires or the things that we most long for. And, and we'll talk a little bit about it. But fasting really mostly relates into to, to, you know the, the giving up of food for a season. And, and that really goes against our kind of, I suppose, fleshly desires, as it were. And so that's why there's so much uh, value uh, in these things. And, and so I want to just start out um, by reading... Um, Matthew 6, verse 2. um, And it's the section um, which talks about, about giving. And it says this, When you give to somebody in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to somebody in need, Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. You see, there's a common theme going through all these three points. It's talking about not doing things in public, um, but doing things in private. And let me just say. There's nothing wrong with doing things in private. There's nothing wrong with giving in private. Hey, we were out in the civic center today, in the community, doing something very public. That's not the problem. The problem is if we're going out there just to look good uh, instead of really doing it for God, then, then that's the problem because then there's a motive issue, isn't it? And so, so why is he saying do things in private? Jesus is not saying do things in private because you, you shouldn't be doing them publicly. He's saying do them in private because then that tests your real motive of why you're doing them? Well, you know, Are you willing to just give in, 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 in a very simple and private way? You see, we live in a world where, where PR is a big thing. You know? when, when, we, when companies or individuals give money, um, there's always like a, a publicity thing to it. There's a spin. Hey, you look good. You've given all this money. Um, there's fringe benefits to being generous and to be giving. Uh, in fact, even tax benefits as well. Um, I believe Bill Gates, who I, know, I don't know if he's still the richest man in the world, but he's certainly one of uh, the richest men in the world. Last year alone, so 2017, he gave $4.6 billion, four, not million, $4.6 billion to charity. So to good causes, which is apparently 5% of his wealth. So he's still loaded. <laughs> so he's okay. Don't worry about Bill. Uh, he'll still be able to pay the mortgage. Uh, actually, I don't think he has a mortgage. <laughs> Um, but he gave $4.6 billion. But how many of you know there's a part of that, and I'm not knocking what he did because that's hugely generous, but there's a part of that that is in the public realm because, you know, it's good publicity, isn't it? I mean, this guy's a great giver. He's a generous man. And so the Bible talks about, well, what are our motivations? Are we giving so that we can get a, cla- a plaque um, or some recognition? Um, but, he, but the Bible encourages us to give privately. For, and three real reasons where I want to just touch into today. Firstly, because giving privately, as I have touched on already, tests our motives. You see, it talks about not letting one hand know what the other is doing. And it's really an exaggeration, I suppose, or even a hyperbole or whatever the name is for that. Um, but the Bible talks about um, really testing our motives doing things in a way that um, we, would, we would really be able to look and see what is the real reason I'm doing this. And I, I, would, I would challenge you guys. I don't know if you've done it before. The first time I ever did it, it was immensely difficult when you give something to somebody anonymously. And it, it's funny because they, maybe you guys are more holy than I and, and you guys are more righteous, but I found it really difficult. There was, an, uh, there was a one, almost wanting to tell the person um, You know, it's actually me that gave it. And it's amazing because that really, when I did that, I thought, God, you're right. You know, I need to evaluate myself. Am I really giving for the person's good or am I giving because I want uh, some recognition? And can I just speak into, you know, one thing quickly here as well? You see, there's a little bit of a, a paradox in the chapter just before Matthew 6. It says this, it says, Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So there's an aspect, it almost seems to a casual glance that it's contradictory. How can you let your light shine when you're meant to do things in, in private or quietly? But again, the focus is testing in on our motives. Are we there to glorify the Father in heaven or are we doing it for our own good? And the second thing that giving privately does is it helps God get the glory. Uh, you know, I've, I've been the recipient of, of, of generosity. Um, you know, shortly after Alini and I got married, we, um, we, had to, we were living and got married in America and had to leave and went to Brazil for a period of time. And, and you know, we kind of lived and spent all our savings. And, and we got to a point where we were quite, like, needy. We almost didn't have money to do our, our groceries. And I remember Alini's aunt, wonderful Christian woman, aunt and uncle, came, and they just arrived at the doorstep and, and gave us a, a, like a package, you know, uh, groceries. They bought us a whole lot of groceries. They didn't even know that we were in need, but they brought us this, you know, full groceries. And, um, and we were just blown away. And, and, you know, it's not something that should have done privately because it's hard to do that privately. They did it public, which is great. They did it in the right motive. But so often, I, I look at that and I, I think how amazing they are. Um, but there's something about Actually, the glory should go to God. It's not the, when we give secretly, somehow people, people are, it's so much easier for people to focus on the God that gave them that. that if they've been answer, crying out in prayer and then they happen to get an anonymous gift, then the, the, it's so easy to focus on God instead of focus on the person. And, and so there's real value in that as well because it helps not only test our motives, but it helps God get the glory. And the the last thing is this, that it leaves our reward to God. You know, when we give, the Bible talks about sowing and reaping. In other words, if you're generous, God's going to be generous back. You know, whatever you sow, you will reap back. And, you know, I I don't know about you guys, but um, I want my reward to come from God, not from man. You know, I don't want any accolades from from man, because I'm a generous person. I, I want God to give me the accolades. Because God is so much more generous and He's so much more able to bless us. That that you know we shouldn't be out to impress people, we should be out to impress God. And even if He never gives us anything back, He's given us so much already. I know that I'd prefer God to be the one rewarding me. You know, we love because He first loved us. We give because He first Gave to us. And so giving, the Bible says, give privately, test your motives. But praying, Matthew 6, verse 5 says this when you pray, there's an expectation we will be praying. When you pray, also don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward. They will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Interesting, isn't it? We gather on a Tuesday morning for prayer together. And, uh, you know, maybe after this message, uh, we'll only be, have one person there. Maybe it'll only be me on Tuesday morning. No, I'm joking. But the point is that the Bible's full of, of, of clear uh, instruction to meet together in prayer. And there is power in meeting together in prayer. But we also need to pray privately. We need to go and, 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 and offer our, our prayers up to God in a private fashion. You see, powerful, prayer is powerful and effective. There is a biblical model for corporate together prayer, but there's also an encouragement to, to do it on our own, in our private time. There's a time of the day uh, for, for prayer, and, and you know that, that'll be different for each one of us. The reason why Jesus was, was, was speaking these words was He's speaking again to Jewish people. In this day, they used to uh, gather at a certain time for prayer. There used to be a prayer hour or prayer time. And, and what would happen is that the, that the religious leaders would make sure they were in the most prominent place on the street corner or in a, a place where they would get lots of attention when that time would come uh, so that they would be able to look good. Again, it's not about looking good, but it's about lifting our prayers to God. And the three things that I want to focus on, really praying privately, um, firstly, it keeps it simple. You know, when we pray in in private, it just means that we don't babble on. We don't uh, feel like we need to impress any. We just keep it simple. In fact, the Bible says uh, when you pray, don't babble on in the same section of Scripture. Don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Because we can complicate prayer. You know, we can get to the, 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 the place where we think, well, we need to be all eloquent in our prayers. We need to have an introduction, uh, you know, a body and a conclusion. Maybe a few illustrations even uh, in, in the prayer, you know, so that it's really good and it sounds amazing. But you know what? God's not interested in that. He just wants your simple and your honest prayer. He's not impressed by your words. He just wants us to communicate with Him. I, um, a few weeks ago now, um, we were talking with Lucas and just, you know, talking about prayer. And, and we pray, you know, before meals in our house. And, and, and Lucas is, is a part of that. He loves praying. And, but he get to the point where he just says this r- rote prayer. Like, he doesn't even think about it. He's like, dear Jesus, thank you for this food. Bless it to our bodies. Strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and like he'd say it so fast, you can hardly even hear the words. But he just wants to eat his dinner. Um, and so, you know, a few weeks ago, I stopped him and I said, look, Lucas, you know, you need to think about what you're praying. You know, what, what, you know what's going on? Just Don't just say the words. Um, you know, just have a conversation with God. And, and he burst into tears because he was he's a sensitive little boy. And, and he burst into tears and said, Daddy, I don't know how to pray. Um, and I had to encourage him. I said, Lucas, just pray. Just be natural with your prayer. Just talk. I mean, if there's anything you're good at, if you, got, if you know Lucas, he's great at talking. <laughs> talking is not a problem for Lucas. And so I said, Lucas, just talk to God. It doesn't have to be like a formula that you say the same thing every time. Just tell him. And, and so he did. And as I said, initially, he was, he was tearful. But then uh, the next day, he, he, when he was praying, he just opened up. And there's just this beautiful prayer of heartfelt like emotion and and he was like smiling, Jesus, we love you so much. And I don't remember all the words he used, but since then he's just been, he's been changing his prayer because you know what? You can be six or seven years old, but God just wants to hear, have a simple prayer. It's not about impressing anybody else. It's about a heartfelt communication with God. And when we do it privately, there's something real that happens there. But the other thing to say is when we, when we pray privately, it, um, it overflows, into our public prayer. It overflows into our public prayer. You see, we at Arena, prayer is important for us. And we've, again, been just having conversations about, you know, how, how do we enter into a new season of prayer where, where people are engaging in a new way? And let me just say this, that, you know, unless your private prayer life is, is, is bubbling and on fire, it's going to be very difficult when we gather here together uh, to really have a great uh, prayer together. You see, when you, when you touch in and, and, and connect with God in a real way, in your room, in your living room, in your bed at night, wherever it may be, there's something that happens there that will then overflow into a, a, a joyful uh, public prayer whenever it is. You know, we need to test our public prayer life versus our private prayer life. You know, I, I am committed to you know, being here on a Tuesday morning. And I, I, I feel, you know, God has asked me to be an example. So I try to be here almost every week. And, and that's not for me to take credit. But here's the thing. I need to ask myself, am I as committed to Tuesday morning prayer as I am to Wednesday morning prayer? Some of you guys are thinking, Wednesday morning prayer? <laughs> well, or Thursday morning prayer, or Friday morning prayer, or Saturday, Sunday morning, Monday morning prayer. In other words, the prayer that we can have every day with God. You see, if I'm more Committed to Tuesday morning prayer than Wednesday morning prayer, there's a problem. Yeah, and so that's what happens when we're committed to private prayer. It overflows into public prayer. But thirdly, again, a common theme, it leaves our reward to God. You see, Matthew 7, verse 8 says, Everyone who asks, receive, everyone who seeks, finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened guys, I want my reward when I pray to come from God, not from you. I'm sorry to say, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about impressing anyone else. I just, I'm just worried about impressing God because He's the one that rewards. You see, this concept of reward, can I just touch on it for a little bit? Because in Matthew, uh, Matthew is a tax collector. There's four different gospels, which if you don't know, tell the same real story and four different, from four different angles. Um, and Matthew's angle, it's funny that he actually uses the word reward more in his gospel alone than in all of the other three gospels. He uses this concept of reward. Maybe it's because he's a tax collector, so he's very financially minded, but he talks about reward. We shouldn't be ashamed of the fact that God is a rewarding God, that God is a God that wants to bless his people, that when we're faithful, when we do the hard things, that he will reward us. The word of God says it, not me, We don't do it because of we want to be rewarded. But let me tell you, God will reward you. He will see your faithfulness. You think that he doesn't see the things you do. There's a word here for somebody... You know, you're doing things behind closed doors that, that, that are just, you know, faithful to God, faithful to God, faithful to God. You think no one notices. God notices. Yeah. Let me tell you today, it doesn't matter who notices. But if God notices, your reward is going to come from Him. Yeah. And that's worth it. That's worth it. The reward comes from God when it comes to prayer as well. But lastly, fasting. And I've not got a lot of time left. Are you still with me? Everyone's still awake? Yeah? Yeah? Good. Fantastic. I know it's been a long day and and it's uh, work tomorrow, but stick with me. Got another five or so minutes left and and we'll be done. So fasting. Uh, Matthew 6 again. uh, Verse 16 says this. And when you fast, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled. So people would admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward you will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. You see, for those of you that don't know, fasting is, is really uh, the biblical model of, of fasting is, is giving up food. Um, for a period of time, however long that may be, um, not just for giving up for food, for dieting or losing weight or whatever it may be, but for the purpose of focusing in and spending that time connecting with God. Uh, there's also a power in it that when we give up what our stomach wants uh, and we focus in on God, we, we pra- it's a practice of self-discipline, uh, but it's also something that we as a church do. We have seasons, probably six monthly, once in, the, in January and then once... Uh, later on in the year, where we gather as a church and we fast as a church. So let me say again, it's something that we do do together, but it's not something we do to look good. It's something that we do. Um, but I, I would certainly hope that, that your fasting is not limited to just when we do it as a church. It's something that I recommend. In fact, the Bible recommends, more important, um, for you to do if you're a Jesus follower, because there's real power uh, in it. You see, fasting and fasting privately disciplines our desires, it disciplines the flesh. And there's something that about when you do it privately that is even more powerful, because there's something in us that would probably like to get the credit uh, for fasting, you know, like to get the credit for a, I mean, if you fast, imagine fasting for 40 days. Wow, we'd love to get the credit for that. But when we do it privately, then we, it, it's only before God, it's not for the credit of anyone, and I mean, I, I, I do remember a story in, in Brazil, and I never met the guy, but a friend of mine was in his church, and, and he told me a story about a guy who, who fasted um, only water. He did, only drank water for 40 days. And, I mean, I, I don't know. I've never even gone close to that. I, I don't know if I It's probably not even wise for health, uh, to be honest with you. But, you know, he did it. Um, and apparently towards the end, like at the, last, the last week of his fast, like he couldn't even walk, like he was, so, he was so like shaky, he couldn't even walk into church. So he did come to church though, of course, um, and he came with like one guy on each side and they were like helping him into church and they made it to church and he just sat down on, 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 on the chair and, and, and that's all he could do. He could, you know, and I... And I remember that story every time I read this verse uh, because, you know, I don't know the guy and I'm not judging the guy. But, but really, um, there was an aspect of where it was probably quite gratifying, uh, you know, to see his dedication that he would come to church all wobbly and, oh, wow, what have you done? Wow, you're amazing how, hot, how far you can go, 40 days. I mean, I only got to 30 and I couldn't go any further, you know. And so it's so easy to do it with selfish motives. And, 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 and the Bible says that when we fast, fast privately. Uh, fast before God, because there's something that it really disciplines our, our desires. It even disciplines our desire of recognition. Fasting privately also does bring us closer to God. You see, when we do that, and when we spend that extra time with God, there is a, a, a deep connection that starts to happen in the spiritual sense. Can I just say, you know, please... You know, fasting food may not be wise for you uh, if you've got health conditions. And we always say that. And, but there's other ways you can fast. You can fast maybe media, um, uh, fast something that really takes time away from you, spending time with God. And there'll be great reward in that. Just try it. Let me tell you, it'll bring you closer to God in ways that you don't know. Don't do what I do. I'm fasting. I'm fasting exercise. I've been fasting for more than 40 days now. Let me tell you, that. there's another word for that. It's called laziness. No, in all seriousness, whatever you know, God lays on your heart to, you know, to fast, it may be various things. But the important thing is, what are you then replacing it with? Are you spending time to really connect into God in a closer and a deeper way? And then thirdly, you know, reward. Again, fasting privately leaves our reward with God. See, our reward is not, is not with man but it's with God. And, you know, the Bible talks about about the chains that are broken, about the freedom that comes with fasting. You know, the story in the Bible how uh, he says, you know, this demon only came out by prayer and fasting. In other words, there's spiritual oppression on people's lives, whoever that may be, that will only be broken through the power of fasting. Can I say, God is, re- God is ready and able to reward you if you will engage, if you will do the hard things with Him. If you will fast, it's not easy. Yeah. But let me tell you, strongholds will be broken on your life. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Things will fall off. You'll enter into a new level of intimacy with God. You will not regret, regret it. Yeah. It's not to impress me. It's for your own benefit, privately. Leave the reward with God. Hmm. Who are you out to impress? That's the question. You know, for all of us as Christians, we can come to a point where we live in a, a public life and our private life's very different. All of us need to evaluate ourselves, particularly on these three things. This is what we're focusing on. There may be other things in your life, but, you know, giving. Are we giving privately and publicly? Are we praying privately and publicly? Are we fasting? How does our private life match with our public life? I'm going to ask the guys to come forward, just as the, the band to come forward as we finish off. And you know, there's a there's another word in this um, in, in in this uh, section of scripture that that appears time and time again. And please go with me here, because. I know this is probably not a, a good word to bring up when I'm concluding a message, but go with me. It's the word hypocrite. Oh, that's a word we don't like to talk a lot about, is it? But here's the thing. The, the root of the word hypocrite is actually, we've made it into something that really in the English language that it's a bit more than, than, than it really is, but the root word hypocrite basically means stage actor. Um, so it's basically like an act, right? For somebody who is a stage actor, what do they do? They, they really uh, they put up an act, don't they? They role play or they, they, um, they, they do something for the applause of the audience, don't they? I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful that I'm not a, a stage actor who's going to get critiqued. And, and, and if you don't get applauded, if you get booed, I imagine the, you know, the, the, the devastation that, that may happen uh, in people's lives. I'm so glad that I'm not a A stage actor. But let me tell you, we also can sometimes be motivated by the applause, motivated by the recognition of people. I'll read the the verse Matthew 6, 1, which is in the message, and I'll read it again. It says this Be especially careful when you're trying to be good. We should do good things, but be especially careful so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater. You know, you may be a great stage actor, but the God you made, that made you won't be applauding. It's quite a challenge. It's a real challenge for all of us, myself included. You know, are we, are we putting up an act? Or are we doing things that we need to do privately to impress God? Let me stand to our feet. In just a moment, we're going to sing another song, but, you know, I just feel that we need to spend a little time, a little time with God just now. So if you just close your eyes and just open.